Guys, thanks so much for joining us. I'm really enjoying this Walking with Giants series. I hope you guys are enjoying it too. The last three weeks we talked about Abraham. We talked about Noah. We talked last week about Esther. And today I want to talk about a guy named Joshua. Joshua was basically the assistant to Moses. And then God raised him up and did some great things through him. And if you are having to bide your time, this message is for you. If you feel like, man, am I ever going to get my moment? Am I ever going to get my, my opportunity? I think this message can really speak to you. And so I'm excited about today as we talk about Joshua. The message is called Joshua, your time will come. Your time will come. So I'm going to dive right in. But a couple of things on, on Joshua I want to mention. First of all, did you know he was undefeated? I don't know if you knew that, but he was completely undefeated as a, as a warrior, as a leader, as God's general. In fact, he fought 13 different wars and defeated 31 kings. That's pretty amazing when you think about that. I mean, like Mike Tyson, step aside. You didn't go undefeated, right? I mean, this is amazing what, what he pulled off. I mean, he was completely undefeated. The guy was just unbelievable at what he did. So how do you get that kind of record? I mean, how do you have that kind of success? Wouldn't we all love for our team to go undefeated this year? I mean, it'd be incredible. The only way Texans are going to go undefeated is if they just don't play. That's the only way they're going to pull it off. And so how do you do that? How do you actually go undefeated? So let's unpack this today. But before we get to when Joshua begins to lead Israel, though, we have to talk about what he did beforehand, because we always forget that the, the win is not in the ring or on the field. It's in the gym. It's in the practice. It's in what you do when no one's around. And so Joshua did some things I think that were very important. It says in Joshua, it says in Exodus, excuse me, 24, 24 verse 13. It says, so Moses and his assistant, Joshua, set out and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. So the first thing we see is that, is that Joshua was assisting Moses, which means also this. Number one, we need to develop a strong mentoring relationship to go further faster. So Joshua slowed down to learn so that he could speed up to lead. And we say that again. Joshua slowed down to learn so that he could one day speed up to lead. Fast forward in the story in Exodus 33. Uh, there's a place called the Tent of Meeting. They set up a tent where Moses would go talk face-to-face with God. Guess who was also in the tent? Joshua. Joshua was holding Moses' coffee, right? He was holding his clipboard. It says here, inside the Tent of Meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the Tent of Meeting. I wonder if God ever said anything to Joshua after Moses left. I wonder if God was like you know, would look over to Joshua and say, your time's coming. Stay faithful, Joshua. Hang in there. I wonder if he ever turned once Moses left or if Moses even turned him on the way out and said, did you get all that, Joshua? Did you notice how I talked to God? Did you notice how God talked to me? Did you notice the dialogue and how that worked? Did you understand how he changed my way of thinking? Do you see how I'm thinking, not just what I'm doing? See, when you're mentored by someone, it's not, you don't want to learn what they do. You want to learn how they think. Because if you learn how they think, then even if a situation comes up that they never, they never faced, you'll already know what they would do. And so that's what Joshua had. He had a strong mentoring relationship. Guys, this has been such a part of my life. If there is any secret sauce that I could give away from what I've learned in my life and career and ministry, it's this. Get good mentors and do what they say instead of what you think. Let me say that again. Do what they say instead of what you think. I've just I've noticed this year after year that that when I when I follow my, what my mentors say, even when I don't quite understand or even agree, God blesses it because it's a little ridiculous. It'd be like you being flabby and fat walking into the weight room and there's some guy who's totally ripped. and He says, this is what you should do. And you go, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You're like, let's take a look in the mirror right now. 
Take a look at them. Take a look at you. Who should you listen to? Should you just keep going with your opinion? Because how far has your opinion gotten you? Versus how far has their knowledge gotten them? So at some point you have to learn to say, you know what? I don't know it all. I need to learn some things. I need to listen to other people. Guys, I have flown across the country to have a lunch with someone. And it was totally worth it. And in that lunch, it was a PhD in ministry. You get the right ear of the right person and you don't talk about yourself. Shut up and listen. Because if someone is that good at what they do, then you can learn so much more than you can learn from a classroom. Listen, I'm all for a degree. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great. But that's what you call general knowledge. Even specific knowledge in what you do is still general knowledge. Until you, talk, you say, well, I'm going engineering. It's all specific. No, no. When you talk to a successful engineer, that's specific. So I just want to encourage you to understand that God has placed people in your life and given you access to people for you to learn from them. Why in the world have you take your rich uncle out to eat yet and say, what did you do? You know, why have you not talked to the couple who's been married 50 years and seem to be still in love and said, what are you guys doing that we're not doing? Learn from other people. When someone is really walking with God and you can literally see the Holy Spirit on them, you can sense God working through them. Why don't you ask, what are you telling me about your time with God? What do you do? You can learn so much from a good mentor. And so develop a strong mentoring relationship to go further, faster. And, and by the way, over the years, you'll have several mentors probably. Probably won't just be one. But I can tell you, I, I, can, I can tell you the names of the leaders that mentored me in, in, in the, the year I met them, the trajectory of our church. Oh, and I met them and then and I met them and then I can show there's a direct trajectory in my life to who I was listening to. And there's also been a direct trajectory in my life when things go bad, when I quit listening. So it's a big deal to have a good mentor going on in that in the same concept. Check out this in Numbers 13. The Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. So Moses sent out 12 men, all tribes. Uh, leaders of Israel. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. And it, uh, let me skip down to the one that we're going to talk about today. Ephraim, Hosea, son of, of Nun. But Moses called Hosea, son of Nun, by the name Joshua. Moses changed his name. He said, what's your name, Hosea? He goes, I'm going to call you Joshua. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to us because we don't know what the mean, meaning of the names mean. But he said, hey, let's just change out the J from the H. And now you're all of a sudden, uh, this is what your name means. Yahweh delivers. He says, you know what? I'm going to change your name. You're the deliverer. You're the guy. You're, you're the mailman. I can count on you. You're going to deliver. You're going to deliver. You're going to take care of it. I can, I can trust in you. I can count on you. Same when Peter did this, right? He said, he said that Jesus did this to Peter. He said, what? No, you're, you're, now, you're, you're now the rock. That's what I'm calling you from now on. Sorry, Dwayne Rock Johnson. You're not the first one. And so he's like, you're the rock. I'm going to build my church on you. And so what happens was a mentor gives you confidence. A mentor helps you believe in your, yourself. And so it says in Deuteronomy 34, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, so the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So now at this point, late in Moses' life, he says, Now I'm going to put my hands on you. I've already told you you're going to deliver. And now he must have looked at him at this point and said, Hey, young man, now's your time. I've instilled all I need to instill in you. You got this. You're the deliverer. And so what does that mean? Number two, a good mentor helps you discover who you really are and what you can really do. You think you know what you can do, but you don't. When you begin to talk to people who are further down the road, they'll explain to you. What I love to do is in talking to my mentor, the things I'm scared of are just another day for him. 
There are things I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. He's like, I did that last Tuesday. I did it Tuesday before that. I did it Tuesday before that. Like, I know you can. And so what you want to do is find someone who you look at their life. And if you did one of their days, it'd be a highlight reel for you. It's a normal day to them. And so if you can find someone like that in your life, it is a game changer. And I believe God will open doors uh, for you with someone. But you just have to start praying for that. God, show me who my mentor is. And by the way, God's already placed mentors in your life. But the question is, are you listening to them? They're teachers, they're coaches, they're youth pastors, they're pastors, they're leaders, they're, they're bosses. If you would just quit calling your boss the boss and start calling them your mentor, how would that change your career? You say, it's not my boss anymore, that's not my mentor. Because I'm aiming to one day have their job, but not by taking their position. I'm aiming to be so good in our department by learning from them and doing everything they say. And I'm going to push our department so, to become so much bigger and so much more successful that they're going to get a promotion and open up the job for me. So in other words, the answer is not to get rid of them. The answer is to push them up by listening to everything they say. One of the biggest compliments my mentor ever gave me was when I asked him a question, he said, I don't want to think about that. I said, why is that? He goes, because I know you, you're going to actually do what I say. That was one of the biggest compliments he's ever given me. He said, I just know I got to be careful what I tell you because you're going to actually go do it. I love that. I was like, oh man, thank you, God. It told me he believes in me as much as I believe in him. And so, can I tell you something else about mentors? I should take a moment here. Your mentors actually need you too. Because you say, but they don't need me. They, they have money. They have success. They, have, they already have connections. All the stuff they have are the things I want. I mean, why do they need me? Here's why they need you. Because what you don't realize that they need, they need legacy. And they can't get that without someone like you. So I want to encourage you to pour, in, pour into others as well because you need legacy. But also let yourself be poured into as well. Did you know that Joshua, that Moses, excuse me, in, in uh, the book of Joshua 1... Uh, was called the servant of God three different times. And throughout the whole book of Joshua, he's called the servant of God 13 times. And not until the very end of Joshua, toward the end of Joshua's life, God calls Joshua the servant of God. What, what was God saying? God was saying, you've become the next Moses. Congratulations. You took the man's role and you did it valiantly. You did it successfully. You pulled it off. It's incredible. And so I just want to encourage you that you can do the same thing if you listen to your mentors. If you don't listen to your mentor, mentors, I don't have any hope for you to do, do well. Just being honest with you. Like if you are not willing to listen to other people who are correcting you, you are hurting yourself. You are stopping your own future. But the day you humble yourself and begin to listen to others is the day God can use you greatly. And Joshua learned that one big time. Let's fast forward in this story in Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, there you go, says it again. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am, I am giving them. What is that called? That's called the promised land. And I believe that God still has some promised land for some people today. In fact, I want to be really, I'm not being figurative, I'm being literal. I think God may have a promised land for you. I am dead serious. Time and again, when I look at the Bible over and over again, I used to say, man, that must mean God has a great career. And finally, it dawned on me, and God was like, no, I have land. I built the world for you. I have some dirt for you to own. When you begin to get that in your brain, it begins to change 
how you think. I remember when, when we were praying about needing property for the broadcast campus and we were, we were completely out of room. We were running seven services at the other campus we had, uh, maximizing. We were out of space completely. I was losing my voice uh, almost every weekend. I was like, Lord, we need more space so I can preach less services and we can reach more people. And, and so we were praying and then God opened the door for the land we're on today. And we, you know, and we prayed and we prayed. We looked at all kinds of places that God finally opened the door for, for this, this land that we're on the broadcast. There's 100 acres. Well, it's 99.75. Let's not be ridiculous. But God opened the door for that. And without this promised land, there would be no other campuses. There wouldn't. And so sometimes God has one key component he's promised you. And without that key component, nothing else happens yet. So what has God promised you? Has he promised you a relationship? Has he promised you a career, an influence? An opportunity, a certain amount of money so you can do his work with it? Has he promised you some connections? Has he promised you, have you gone someplace and you just got a picture of the future you when you were there? That's a promise from God. Stand on those promises that he gives you. God will bless that. This is a promise that God gave not only not only Joshua and Moses, God gave this to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Before he ever came along. And so God promised them this. And so this is what I want to challenge you to do. Number three, on the known word of God, step out into the unknown territory he has for you. On the known word of God, which we know God says, I have promised you some things. When you get clarity of what God's promised you, step out and take that property. Take that land. Take it. It's, it's yours for the taking. Now you may say, well, does that mean I just show up and they're just going to give it to me? No, they didn't do that for Joshua either. Joshua had to go fight for it. But you should always be fighting from a position of, that's already mine. Success happens when you say, the championship is already ours, let's go get on the court and take it. The victory is already ours, let's go into the ring and take it. You see, when you begin to think that way, it changes everything. And so I want to challenge you to think differently. Say, the real estate's already mine, now I'm going to go figure out how to take it. Go figure out how to take it. It's yours. God already said, I promised it to you. And so it's time for us to advance. It's time for you to recognize this is your moment. God is speaking to someone today. God is giving you a promise. When you have the promise of God, you have something other people don't have. You have the God of the universe saying, I'm in your corner. Go get it. Go take it. It is yours for the taking. It's time for you to step out in faith and actually take what God is telling you. He can have it. Don't tell them, oh, but that's not right. The Canaanites are living there and they just came in and took it over. No, no, no. Psalms 24 tells us it's okay. You know why? Because God says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He says, it's all mine. That's not the Canaanites. That's my land. Go take it. And by the way, the Canaanites were horribly cruel people. So this is a judgment on the Canaanites as well. Did you know that? They were murderous people who killed everyone they ever found. And so he says, I want you to go in. You're going to bring justice and you're also going to take the land that I have for you. God's word says, I, I lay out the, I lay up the wealth of the unjust for the just. Did you know that? Yeah. And so God wants you to take it. It's yours for the taking. You and I can't stand, I can't stand to see old church, little, little L-shaped church buildings that are now car dealerships. Drives me crazy. That was God's land. That was God's dirt. That was God's property. It's time to take back what the devil's trying to take from us. You're in car sales. I'm fine with that, by the way. No problem with that. My point is, is that God has something for you to take and he wants you to hold on to it. You know, the only time the Israelites ever were defeated was when they disobeyed God. What that tells me is people don't defeat you. You defeat yourself. When you, when you lose your discipline, that's when the other fighter beats you. It's not because they're better than you. You didn't train as hard. 
You didn't keep the discipline up. You didn't do the things God told you to do. You, you forgot about the basics. You, know, you, you look at great teams that lose to, to, to teams that, that aren't as superior, and you're like, how'd they do it? They forgot the basics. They forgot discipline. They forgot defense. They forgot offensive moves. They, they just they, they start skipping the basics. And when you do that, guess what? You defeat yourself. So I want to challenge you on this. Step out in faith. Believe God. He has something for you. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. He goes on to say this. He says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. Whoa, that's some faith. That's a promise. He says, where you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. God basically says, you want the promised land? I put that want in you. What is it that you want? God says, I put it in you. I built you to do it. I put the desire in you to do it. So now go do it. I've now given you a promise to do this. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the, in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. That's an incredible promise. Now, let me tell you something. The reason why I wanted to read the parameters of the promised land is because Israel never got all that land. Which you may say, oh, that's so sad. No, no, this is what that means. It means God will give you as much as you're willing to have faith for. And the moment your faith runs out, you're done. So what really stops you from having more and doing more and taking more land for God? Is, is it really God? Or is it us not dreaming big enough dreams, not believing big enough beliefs, not having the faith to say, this is mine. This is for God. I'm doing this for his purpose. I'm going to take more ground. I'm going to do more. I'm going to have more because God wants that for me and for his people. So I want to challenge you to quit thinking, oh, this is just little old me and I'm just going to be who I'm going to be. And I got enough to get by. Oh, that's not what God says in his word at all. He says, I promised you a promised land, a promised future, a promised prosperity. If you don't have it, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You can have it, but you have to have the faith for it. So someone needs to start having some faith again. Yeah, I'm tired. You know what's happening right now? People are like, oh, I've been deconstructing my faith. That's a fancy word for saying I'm walking away from the Bible. I'm walking away from God's word. Well, you know, my lifestyle really doesn't fit much with the word of God anymore. Then what needs to change? The word or you? Why don't we start embracing faith, embracing conviction, embracing our beliefs instead of chunking our beliefs, instead of throwing them aside? We need to believe God again and stand on our faith. Don't just clap for this sermon. Go do something. Go do something big for God because I'm telling you right now, God is telling you straight up that this is an opportunity. He said, how about the economy and the world and it's crazy and this and that. They, all of Israel just had their main guy die. Things were not going well for Israel. Can you imagine morale now like the guy who helped us, you know, part of the Red Sea, the guy who brought us the Ten He's dead. Like talking, you could easily lose hope here, but God says, no, no, no. In times of transition... In times, in times where things aren't going the way you want them to do, that's an opportunity for me to raise you up. It's an opportunity. See, if Moses hadn't passed, there could not be a Joshua. And so something has to die in your life for something new to live. Something has to pass, something you really wanted that didn't work out. If that didn't happen, you couldn't become who you're supposed to be. So let God, let some things die. Let a chapter end so he can start the new chapter, Joshua. This is it. You're the one that's going to do something big, but you got to let something die in your life. So let it go. Let go of that relationship. Let go of that past offense. Let go of that, of, of what you were hoping to count on didn't come through. Let go of that. God says, if you let go of that, I've got to get your hands free so I can put some new stuff in your hands. But you've got to let go of what you're still holding on to. 
And you're dragging dead stuff with you. And they're like, can I just bring all this? And he's like, no, not where we're going. Joshua, I got things for you. Moses died. I did great things for him. Now he's with me. Now you're up. Next man up. Joshua, let's go. This is your opportunity. Step out into the unknown territory that God has for you. He's got something big. But you've got to believe God for that. Now look what happens next. He says, be strong and courageous. For you are the one. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're the one. Well, no, right now, you're the one. You're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the commands, all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Does God want you to be successful? Yes, he does. There it is right there. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Oh, 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 there's it. That's a prerequisite. Follow God to the T. If you will do that, you will be successful. Wow. So what does this mean? He's given Joshua incredibly detailed instructions. And then Joshua does something that most of us don't do. He does it. He actually goes and follows all of these details. And so, number four, we have to move from high intention to high activity. You know, people tell me, oh, I'm different than most people. I got a lot of ambition. That's not different. Almost everyone has ambition. The difference is who acts on it. You can have great ambition. I mean, it's true. There's some people don't have ambition. That's true. You may be set apart from a handful of people because, because you have ambition. But what really sets you apart is when you act on it. It's when you do something. High activity, not just high intention. Will you get involved? Will you make a difference? There's things that you can do. I just got this letter um, a while back. I wanted to read this. This is from a guy at the Stone Oak campus. Uh, it's, great. it's a great letter. Dear Church Unlimited, we're delighted uh, to, uh, to, to tie the enclosed check for leaving a legacy giving campaign. Anyways, I'll, I'll skip that part, but he, they gave generously. He's in real estate. If you don't give generously and you're in real estate this year, I don't know when you're going to do it. I mean, I don't know how it could be more hotter for your industry than now. So, you know, that's totally your call. But he did. He followed God. Um, He says, on a personal note, as a former youth pastor of six years, uh, 20 years ago, he says, I was honestly burned out on church and its experience. In addition, I had become a bit jaded due to my experience of the inner workings of the church. I served of the churches I served. It was my lovely and faithful wife that that first attended CU uh, Stone Oak campus. Within the first month it opened, through her encouragement and patience with me, I started attending. Seeing her enthusiasm and her persistence of me attending with her and my daughters, I'm happy to say my faith, uh, although I never wavered in God, but my faith within the church, um, within how a church can work, has been restored. I'm thankful for this church and the messages that are brought week, week in and week out. Pastor Bill, the associate pastors, staff, and volunteers should be commended for the, their wonderful environment that has been created. Now, three years later, our family attends as often as we can. Our 12-year-old daughter, Bella, will be attending camp for the second time for the second year in a row. She was baptized last year at camp and continues to invite friends to attend with her at various functions and gatherings. Our four-year-old, Chloe, loves to go to church and often can be found doing praise and worship on communion Sundays. She's really there for the grape juice. And others in times of the classroom with friends and she has made over the weeks. My wife and I have found the message is helpful, encouraging, and oftentimes needed at the right time addressing struggles or issues we have found in our lives from day to day. As a father, husband, and small business owner, I'm truly thankful for this church. It keeps me going and teaches me uh, better ways to be the father, husband, and small business owner that I strive to be. Thank you for all that you do and may the Lord bless you and keep you. Sincerely, Jeff and Adriana, the Dillingham family. Isn't that great? They, they found faith again in the church. 
You know what stops a lot of people isn't lacking a faith in God. It's a, it's a faith in His house because they get burned by someone. Are you letting that stop you? How many times did Joshua get frustrated with God's people, yet he stayed faithful? Did you know that Joshua was a part of the, the, the spies that went out to spy the promised land? They came back. Only two spies, Joshua and Caleb, his friend Caleb, said we should go take it. The other ten said, no, 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 we shouldn't do it. It's too, it's too much. The people are too big. It's too scary. There's no way. And so they were all shut down and stopped for 40 years. But Joshua didn't lose his faith in God's people. See, not only does God want us to have faith in him, he wants, to have his faith, he wants us to have faith in his people. So I know we've all been burned before. I have too. I want to encourage you, don't give up on his house. Don't give up on God and don't give up on this house because God has big things for you to do. You can make a huge difference. So I want to encourage you, we're talking about going from high intention to high action. How many years have you said you're going to serve? When are you going to do that? I mean, how many years have you said, man, one day I'm going to give a big gift to God. Well, when, when's that going to happen? Just curious. When when are you going to start that? When are you going to do something big for God? Isn't today a a good day to do that? I was at Devo a while back. My my son Mason, his ministry, he leads here. And and, uh, at the end of service, I loved it. He said, hey, by the way, we don't have a breakdown crew. All of you are, none of you are above it. We need all of you to help us break down and get get ready for church the next week. And it reminded me, he said, I was like, oh, that took me back 20, 24 years to the first few uh, years of the church when I would say at the end of the one o'clock, hey, before we leave, because we were meeting in school, we need everyone to help us break the school down. So even if you're a visitor, please stay and help us. And so people would do that. You know, we used to set up and break down all the time. And I mean, I would wear myself out. In fact, I wore myself out so bad. I had the first year and a half, I wore a brace on my arm because I injured it from moving too many chairs. Because we just had a handful of people that did everything. Can I tell you, that's not that far off from today. We still have, percentage-wise, a handful of people doing everything. So we used to move chairs, and we'd move these chairs, and, and we had 200 chairs we set up in the school, and we rented the school, and there was 30 of us, and I bought 200 chairs, and we'd saved up money for this, and bought all stuff for nursery equipment, the whole, in fact, the, I remember the core group, several people said, like, why did we buy 200 chairs? And I was like, you, you have to set up for what you believe God's going to do, not what he's doing now. So, we, so eventually we filled up all those chairs. Eventually we had to buy another 200 chairs. That 400 chairs we had to move from a from the elementary school because the parking was so limited to a junior high. So the parking increased. We tried to get a high school. We just couldn't do it. And so we were now in Grant Middle School. We had all these chairs. And so people sometimes would just visit for the first time and stay in hell. But but when we moved these chairs, I mean, we, we had people get injured, like seriously. One, one guy, by the way, we, we eventually built these chair racks. And a, a guy said, hey, come by my house. I, I want to take some, can I take some chairs home? I was like, sure. He took them home and he took a, a certain amount and he built a chair rack that would hold like, I, I think it was like 30 chairs or something. And so he built this giant wooden chair. It was awesome because we could, instead of everyone lugging three or four at a time, we could put them all in the chair rack and move them all at once. The problem was this chair rack weighed a ton because now you got 30 chairs on one rack, the rack is built out of two by four, so it's heavy. And we had to lift it up and put a little a, a little thing of wheels underneath it so we could roll it out. And so when we were, one, one day a guy was lifting, this guy was super muscular. I mean, you look like my son Mason, who's huge. He lifted it one time and he let go with one hand to grab something. His muscle popped and rolled up in his, it was the most disgusting thing. I felt so bad, right? I mean, that's how heavy these things were. So the poor guy had to get surgery. I mean, that's, it was crazy. So then this is when we had 200 chairs. Now we have 400 chairs and we're loading them on and off this trailer. The problem was the trailer was about this high off the ground. So you'd have to lift it with just everything you could, two or three guys just to set it on there and then shove it on there as much as you could. So one day, a year and a half into the church, a guy visits for the first time. He says, hey, I heard you want to help get people to help break down. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, I got a truck. Will that help? I was like, oh, yeah, back it up in the back. We'll, we'll load it up too. Great, because at this point we're expanding. We don't have, the, the trailers don't hold everything anymore. 
And so we'll load everything up. And so he sees us loading you know, this huge uh, cart of chairs. And we, we set it up there. And he looks at the trailer and he's like, hey, check it out. Look at this. There's a ramp right here. And he pulls it out. And we all just go, ah! There was a ramp the whole time. 18 months. We did not know. There's a, there's a, there's a ramp. So you volunteering may set us free in some way. We don't know. So please sign up and help us. We need you desperately at all of our campuses. But you know what? When you begin to do that, you go from high intention to high action. And guess what? When you do that, you begin to rack up the victories like Joshua did. When you begin to obey God and do what God tells you to do. So let me ask you a couple questions here. What one habit can you start that will change this year to make it your best year so far? Just, just whatever comes to mind. Would you just take that as God? What one habit is God saying it's time to do this? You've been putting this off and putting, you've got great intentions on one of these days. You know, I'm eventually going to fill in the blank. What one habit do you keep putting off and putting off? And God said, if you will just do that, I have some fruit on the other end of that, of that seed you plant. But you have to do your part. And then the second question is, what one habit do you need to give up? Well, you've got to let go of, right? They had the people of Israel had to like, if we're going to do this. We got, we got to let go of our allegiance to Moses because he's gone and transfer that allegiance to Joshua. And so what is the one habit you have to let go of? I believe God has something for you big, but listen, you may want to write this down. Instead of wanting to advance your position, focus on advancing your habits. I'm going to say that again. Instead of always wanting to advance your position, Focus on advancing your habits because then your habits, if they're good, will cause you to be able to not be denied. Did you catch that? If you get so good at what you do that the boss looks like a fool if they don't elevate you. Get so focused on the Lord that, of course, God would advance you and do great things through you because your habits have become that good. Instead of focusing on your position advancement, focus on your habit advancement. God can do great things through you if you'll do that. And if you will do that and do it sooner than later, then this verse can be yours. Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. It's fulfilling to see God work in your life. But you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. Do what the Lord has told you to do. If you will do that, it really does change everything. Last thing I want to tell you is this, and we'll wrap it up. So Joshua has all these great victories. They go, they cross the promised land. They take the land of Jericho. They take they have numerous battles. Like I already told you, 13 battles, 31 kings, so that they, they have success after success after success. But I want to take us back to one of the verses that God said over and over again. Joshua 1, verse 9. This is the command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. He says be strong and courageous three times. Now, anytime in the Bible you see something said three times, that is an exclamation point in the Hebrew and Greek language. In our language, we have an exclamation point. They don't. They just repeat themselves. They just they go into like a rap song remix. They're like, be strong and courageous. Wicca, wicca, be strong and courageous. Wicca, wicca, be strong and courageous. That's what they do. So this is God saying, I know the wicca, wicca. I know I'm talented. I know, I know. I'm kind of street. I know. Anyways, God has something for you here, and he's repeating himself so you'll get it. He says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. But each, with each one of those, he gives a promise. He says, be strong and courageous, first of all, because I'm going to give you the promise. Second one, be strong and courageous, and if you don't deviate from my word, I'll make you successful. And then third time, be strong and courageous because I'm with you. What does it tell me? It tells me, here's how you can be strong. 
Here's how you can be courageous today. You have a promise of God. You stay in His Word. And you get in His presence. You have a promise of God. You stay in His Word and obey it. And you stay in God's presence. In prayer, being in church, you're in God's presence right now. I believe God is speaking to someone. Is God speaking to someone right now? I believe He is. And so you can be strong and take courage today. When other people are fearful of the markets, you can, you can actually be strong. When other people are scared of inflation, you can be strong. When other people are nervous about world wars, you can be strong. And take courage. The Lord your God is with you. Be strong and courageous. And then Proverbs 13, 19 says this, A long and fulfill the sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. The key to Joshua's victory wasn't that he was so smart, wasn't he was so strategic. He just obeyed God. God is saying to you today, I will do great things for you. You don't have to be that smart. You don't have to be that good. You just have to be that obedient. And then God will do what only God can do. Number, number five, on the other side of your fear is your dream. On the other side of your fear is your dream. And in Joshua 24, at the very end of the, the book, God calls Joshua the Lord's servant. He says, you did it, Joshua. You followed me. You obeyed. You did what I asked. And because of that, I blessed you and I blessed God's people. And Joshua today is a legend. We're walking with a giant right now here in his story. Let me summarize the story in, in just a few things. If I can just say one little sentence here. Here's what Joshua did. He humbled himself and took on a mentor. He believed God when God spoke. He obeyed God. And he took a risk. Let me give you that principle right now. I just want you to lay that down. This is something you need to do. Here's what I believe God's calling us to do today. Humble ourselves. Believe God. Obey him. Take a risk. Let me say it again. Humble yourself. Believe God. Obey him. Take a risk. You say, Pastor, I really have fallen, fallen away. Then, then humble yourself. Man, I, I used to see God do greater things. Then believe God again. I want to, see, want, want to see God do some amazing things in our life. Then obey him. And then take a risk. If you'll do those four things, you will see God do great things through you. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Or would you take a moment to pray? just want to encourage you today. I think God is speaking to someone today. I think God is putting courage in you. God is encouraging you. My prayer is that this word is encouraging you. He's filling you with his courage. Another word for courage is is. And being encouraged is enthusiasm. That literally means in theos. That means God is in you. So God's given you his promise today. He's told you, follow my word. And he said, and I'll be with you every step of the way. Just like I was with Moses. Joshua, I'll be with you. And God's saying to you and me, just like I was with Moses and Joshua, I'll be with you. I'll help you. You're not alone. We got this. That land it's already yours. Go get it. That property, it's yours. Go get it. That position, it's yours. Go get it. Go take it. It's yours. Every head bowed, every closet. If God is speaking to you, would you just lift your hand high and thank God that he's speaking to you today? Just lift your hand. If God's speaking to you, praise God. Our hand's going up all across our churches. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Maybe today God's speaking to you saying it's time to start serving. It's time to start giving. It's time to get involved. It's time to make a difference. You can make a difference right now. Thank you for the difference that you make. Last week, I tell people to quit giving to camp. You guys still give $25,000 to it. You guys are unbelievable. I can't turn off the faucet if I wanted to because God's people are generous. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Will you be the one? He said, Joshua, you are the one. It's time to say, God, I am the one to change my own life. I am the one to change my family. I am the one to change our finances forever, generation to generation. I am the one who's going to save my lost husband or wife. I am the one who's going to make a difference to my kids. I am the one that's going to change my, my, my business. I am the one. It's time for you to own this. God says, I have gifted you. Own it. Praise God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just received Christ in your life, would you just lift your hand high? No one's looking around at all of our different churches. Just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Would you do that? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer, lift your hand high. Thank you. Thank you. Their hand's going up. Thank you. You're online with us right now. You can put it in the text chat. Just text to us right now. My hand's raised. Or just click hand raised right now. Praise God. Thank you for the decision you made to follow Christ. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk with a giant today that... Joshua was simply a young man who wanted to do great things for you because he obeyed, he was humble, he believed your word, he took a risk, you did great things through him. And Lord, I believe you'll do great things through us too. Thank you, God, for your word. It speaks to us every time, God. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.